0: Good evening, and welcome to Progressively Horrified, the show where we hold horror to standards it absolutely never agreed to. (laughs) Good evening, and welcome to a very special episode of Progressively Horrified. Uh, This is Jeremy, and as you may know, I'm based here in Durham, North Carolina. Uh, Recently, I learned through the grapevine that one of our local theaters here, the Carolina Theater, is putting on a horror film festival called the Nevermore Film Festival. It's running February 25th through the 27th, and you can buy tickets for physical showings and digital showings online at carolinatheater.org. Now, we are lucky enough to partner with Nevermore Film Festival to get advanced screenings of some of the films that we'll be showing and have a chance to talk to some of the directors. Today, I have the extraordinary honor to be talking to Obi Dialesi about their film, mud monster it was already awarded best international short film director and best lovecraft inspired film at a night of horror international film festival in sydney australia but this is mud monsters u.s debut and it's nominated for best director and best cinematography it'll be showing the 25th through the 27th in person and it'll be available to stream uh through the film festival anytime between february 25th and march 3rd ob thank you so much for joining us thank you so much it's been a pleasure for me to be here yeah, it's so great to have you. I think for, you know, a lot of folks listening to this, this will probably be their first exposure to your work. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into directing and uh, when you decided to direct scary horror short like this?
1: Yes. Uh, well, I actually come from a um, visual arts and performance arts back- background. So I, this is uh, my second short uh, narrative film that I shot and, and writes because I was, I was actually, I still uh, do video art and performance art. I decided to mm, to shoot a, a narrative short film, which was also a horror film in 2007, which uh, was called Cruise Eyes. And uh, that was kind of like a, more of an experiment for me. I was my previous artwork did have a lot of narrative based themes in it. So I, I sort of I decided to put it together and uh, make a proper film. And so that was my first attempt to make a film and I really enjoyed doing it. So I decided to write another one and that's how I made my monster. And so, yeah, I'm really enjoying doing it.
0: Fantastic. And, and it's a, a really, it's really good and really a uh, moody piece. I feel like really enjoyed it. This is a movie that wears some of its influences on its sleeves. What were your biggest influences going into making this one? Obviously there's some Lovecraft in there.
1: Yeah. Well, because I, I shot, in, in, I shot in Italy, my hometown, and very close to my hometown in Italy. So I, I was thinking. I mean, I I didn't have a, I, I mean, I didn't have a specific reference, which was it's not an Italian film, but it's a Victor Erice. It's a Spanish director. So I did have these like, films in mind a lot, and I didn't have a specific horror film in mind. I just kind of mostly like a mood a very classic kind of mood and uh, I did not want to bring a lot of the Italian, uh, especially local feeling to it and I wanted to kind of let the, the place be present in the film and especially the house. For the soundtrack, I had Rosemary's Baby in mind in terms of sound, but this is purely just for the sound. There. So yeah, I guess it was a combination of lots of different things.
0: Yeah, I, I can definitely feel that. It has a very gothic mood that I really enjoyed. I think the the house that it shot in and around is, is really evocative and really interesting. It made for a, a great setting to sort of have these, because you have these three characters in, you know, the the mother and the two sisters that are very much in their own little world together, but they're also in a lot of ways in their own separate little worlds, I think isolated from each other, if not physically, emotionally.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that was one of the main things that I was thinking about was to have this family that was living together, but they could not communicate. So it's a lot about not being able to basically like living through this uh difficult time, like grief, but not being able to support each other and communicate. So uh, trying to find something else to communicate with and trying to sort of find an escape out a world outside of their own sort of little family world that they could they could heal, basically. Each, each character deals with their pain in different ways, but they can never sort of deal with each other. I guess.
0: Yeah, in- I, I very much got that feeling, and I think it's it's really interesting in some of the the ways that the setting is set up. That on you know the side of the house where Fyama's room is, it's very bright and you get sunlight throughout there. Um, you know during the day, but even the few times that we see the mother's room, it's very dark, very shadowy, like she doesn't r- really seem to want to connect she, you know, she's really dealing with grief a lot. It seems like.
1: Yeah. With the mother, I was more thinking about a parent that is dealing with that situation of being suddenly finding, finding herself alone and having to work and being in pain. And at the same time, looking after, you know, two kids and sort of being overwhelmed by you know, her own pain, but at the same time, by the reality of having to deal with the practical, practicality of the situation. And so sort of like keeping everything inside and yeah, not being able to express her pain and therefore sort of coming through as maybe as h- harsher than she would be. I,
0: I think as a, as a parent, that really resonates with me because I think when you're going through your own things as a parent you not only have to deal with your own things but you also have to deal with things that your kids are going through and in this case especially the the older sister Emma is sort of shutting herself off she's into all this elder god stuff that has to be hard for her as a mother to be trying to like reach out to her as well
1: Yeah, i mean i'm a parent too so obviously i agree with, you. And with the, yeah the older sister she's she's also obviously dealing in you know, her own way with with grief but she's kind of found this way of dealing with grief as in, in a kind of pseudo mystical way, I guess, in a pseudo religious way. I was kind of thinking like, you know, she's a teenager and I was kind of thinking like on her bedroom is her shrine in a way, you know, she's kind of like just locked herself up in in her bedroom and she's trying to communicate with this like external force, external God. And she's like, she's, she finds relief in that. And uh, that's how she deals with her own grief. And uh, she's looking for something that's going to make her feel
2: better, I guess, you know?
0: Absolutely. Um, My co-host Emily is here. I'm going to go ahead and let her in so she can talk to you as well. Hey, Emily.
2: Good morning or afternoon? <laughs> <laughs> good morning. Good uh, morning.
0: Yeah, Obi and I had started talking about the, the movie a little bit and about uh, characters and everything. We went through kind of the first couple of questions I, I had written up there. So I guess the the one question... I, I thought of a lot as I was watching this is with the sort of loneliness and the self-contained nature of this, of this story and this family, it reminded me a lot, especially of the, the early days of COVID lockdown and sort of being in this one place where you only see these couple of people and it sort of has this overwhelming feeling of dread all the time. Uh, and I, I was wondering, if you're making that to some extent while that is going on. Uh, was that something that you felt like influenced you as you were, you know, putting the story together?
1: Well, I mean, I, w- I wrote that before COVID didn't even started, so it was not an influence. It's interesting though; I never thought about that. I guess for me, it was just like thinking about how would a family deal with, you know, a sudden like grief, and they would just, and, and on top of it, they, you know, I, I imagine, you know, they lived in this sort of isolated house in the middle of the countryside, and so they were already sort of isolated, but you know, on top of it, they were like dealing with a difficult, like a grief. So everybody was sort of just staying inside and just being by themselves. And, you know, they are not by themselves, but they are by themselves. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I never thought about it, it could possibly be related to COVID, but yeah, it makes sense. Yeah.
2: I was wondering, where did you film?
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. I actually filmed in my, it's actually property of my family because my, um, my grandmother was born in that house in the in north of Italy. Yeah. Close to my hometown.
2: Yeah. Well it was it, it resonated with me because my family also has a house in northern Italy, just outside Torino. Yeah, very close.
1: It's close to to not, it's it's in Piemonte,
2: which is where Torino is. So it's yeah.
1: Same yeah, area kind of. Yeah. It's called Frugarolo, which is very close to
2: my hometown, which is called Alessandria. I, I remember seeing signs for those towns. Yeah 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 yeah. Yeah, the environment there is very similar with the stucco buildings and these big high ceilings, you know, the plaster and everything, these houses in these like little spaces. So that that not only resonated with me in the the symbolism of the film, but also seeing that young girl try to find her meaning in this space, it was so, it was almost eerie for me because it was a place that I spent a lot of time by myself when I was younger. I want to say that I really loved, not only because I related to it, but I really loved that symbolism in the movie with the girl. And I I am interpreting it in my own way to be about mental illness and the rejection and the acceptance of that while she's also kind of dealing with her demons and naming them. I am a huge fan of that kind of symbolism and I really, really loved that in this film, as tragic as it was. Did you have any inspiration for the imagery for those creatures, like specifically? Well, for the creatures, uh, I didn't have a specific reference. I was
1: mainly just looking up just mud like muddy animals like just combining images of like people or animals covered in mud and then i sort of started drawing because i draw a lot so i just started kind of drawing and i came up with that monster or that creature so it was just kind of like a combination of different images that i sort of found and i liked and i found interesting and yeah and then i worked with the costume designer and but uh yeah it was more like because uh, i wanted it to feel like something that kind of comes out of the ground and and it's also like a sort of it's kind of like a product of the things the little like things that she imagines because it's like you know she makes these little sculptures and stuff. So yeah, I, I mostly I just made basically just drew it myself.
0: Awesome. I thought it' was interesting that you you get the one of the mud monsters that's kind of Cthulhu-esque and you yeah. uh, know you can imagine her sort of seeing her older sister's various Cthulhu propaganda and and picking that up and, you know, using that to create her own things.
1: Yeah. The idea was that it kind of just transforms according to sort of like what she's, not what she's going through, but it does, obviously it's not fixed. It's not because it's, it's just like part of her, I guess. So it's, I'm pretty happy for people to just interpret it the way they want. But I'm saying, you know, it does change obviously and You know, there's like a moment, a very quick moment where she's at the hospital and she has a glimpse of it and he's wearing, uh, the the monster is wearing the gloves that uh, were her dad's gloves. She does see the monster with references to her family and references to things that she has either seen or are part of her. So, yeah, the idea was that it is coming from her. It's coming from her family or herself or the house i was you know i was kind of interested in it coming from the the house and the family and
2: it kind of coming from within
1: yeah yeah yeah
2: the cthulhu imagery what made you choose for the older sister like what inspired you to choose that theme for her i was thinking about our, the sister being religious first of all mm-hmm. and then i
1: started thinking about something that i was thinking like okay she's she's looking for something else that's beyond herself and like a religion potentially I was thinking like, I, I really liked the imagery of obviously Cthulhu came to mind because I, I, at the beginning I was kind of like making up my own cult, but then I, I turned, started, kept going back to Cthulhu and then I really obviously liked that imagery and, and also it makes, it made sense in terms of something that comes from beyond and from in terms of like reference to Fiamma and to the monster, the monster as well. And so it kind of all linked up in, in a way really well together. And so I chose that. And I really liked the contrast as well of, you know, between the house and the feeling of classic, you know, the classic feeling and the kind of Italian feeling mm-hmm. of both fashion and the kind of contrast between that. And when you go into this, the older sister's room and there's like black, you know, black metal music playing and it's like a different world. So yes. I like that. Idea,
0: yeah, I felt like them, the, them being ahead. in in different worlds, and and this feeling of them just reaching out, and desperately really trying to connect with anything. Both of the sisters just feel like they have this need to connect to something, and they, for some reason they can't connect to each other. They can't connect to the mom, and they're just trying to, in Fiona's case, sort of making up her own things, and in Emma's case, you know, turning to this this sort of religious zeal.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I, when I was working with Noah, who's the the actress who played Alba, the um, the older sister, and I was really, I was really telling her to just think of something that she really believes in, because for me, the most the most important thing was that this in Alba really she really believes in Tulu. She was really honest about it. So the character, when, the way I I thought about the character, was this this teenager who's really looking for something pure. She's really serious about it. She's honest and serious about this thing that she believes in because that's, that's all basically all at the moment, that's all she feels like the soul she has and that's, that's why the, the, that's the moment where she sees that the octopus that goes into her room, she sees it as like, it's a sign from God. Mm-hmm. And I, I like, it's kind of like, okay, it's a innocent moment that which can be a little bit funny as well. But for her, it's like, oh my God, you know, it's like the best thing that ever happened to me. <laughs>
2: I thought that, that was especially interesting for her to be so devoted to something because, you know, so much, so much we see goths in movies and cinema being very nihilistic, like they, you know, they don't believe in anything but being sad. I mean, when I was younger, it was not so much that I was very devoted to like Trent Reznor. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know? Like, I wasn't devoted to bands. So I was very passionate about that. I I think that it's very cool to have something that is an elder god. And it is also very, it's so specific, but very relatable that Mm -hmm. the the teen sister is trying so hard to connect with something with her identity and it's complete devotion to that thing as opposed to just nihilism or just, you know, being generally sad, which I think is something, especially with like goths. You don't see a lot, even though it is like sometimes it is very religious because it's something to devote yourself to, especially as you're struggling. And I I could see that influence vaguely between the sisters where the older sister had found an icon and then the younger sister was trying to create an icon or just Mm -hmm. connect because jeremy you talk about them connecting with each other and afia seemed to be trying to also connect with herself and that is part of where those monsters came from that was really cool to me
0: (laughs) what really interested me is is her seeming disconnection from herself and from her own image you know she's waving at herself in the Dirk window, you know, at various points, I, it feels like, especially, you know, towards the end, she is making this, this choice to connect with the the monsters and to, uh, she, you know, paints herself up with the mud as if she's, she's becoming something different, trying to become one of these monsters. Uh, could you I mean, talk about that a little?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't say that she understands that she is the monsters, not her, her. you know, she kind of like becomes closer to the monster or she kind of like reaches a point where she's actually like inviting the monster in. And I think she's like, basically she sees the monster as the only thing that she can connect to. She keeps seeing this monster and she kind of feels like, okay, this monster is there for me. So I think she does want to be, to be close to it. I think there is like that moment where I think she kind of understands that she's kind of, the monster is her or it's part of her. So yeah. I think it it
0: feels like even if its intentions are sinister, at least it cares. (laughs) Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. And they they do have that connection that she lacks with her mom and her her sister. And the cool thing about that symbol is that it can be so many things and it can be interpreted as so many things, which I think is really important about that monster, and that process for her to identify. Because whether it is trauma or specific mental illness or some physical illness that's going on with her, it is a really interesting depiction of the denial and then the acceptance of that. I think the only thing that really defines it as... Something solid is the ending of the film, which is that it overtakes her. So that's that's how it is defined to me as an illness. the The scene with the doctor's office that is one of the only scenes outside of this little microcosm. What inspired you to create that definition or, or create that new context for the characters? Yeah, I really like the the
1: idea there being like a magical test where there's supposed to be a risk kind of resolution where you're supposed to kind of get to the point where okay this is what's happening to her, but then nothing actually happens or you don't you don't get the results that you you you'd expect. So I, I like that idea. And I think also the, the fact of I don't know, I think maybe taking taking it out of that the house context is kind of unexpected and also gives it a bit more reality, I guess it kind of takes it out of that. Yeah.
0: Because, <laughs> I mean, after she, you know, loses her hearing in the bath, it would be, it would seem negligent for the mob to not at least take her to the doctor. <laughs> I, I think this is a case where, you know, you get this feeling that this system that is supposed to in some way protect her yeah. or reassure her, at least that there, there isn't this monster, that there is a you know reasonable explanation for it just completely fails her.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it adds a new element to the mystery yeah too, because even outside of this house you know where all of this is happening there are still no explanations which is is quite profound
1: yeah i mean I, i'm I'm like with the monster I'm, because as you mentioned like there's so many possible interpretations as to something that comes from reminds the mental illness, the illness is the monster really there and i am hesitant to give my own interpretation sure but yeah yeah because it's like okay yeah it's true it's possible that's also possible and that's possible and so i'm actually happy for people to just think what they to draw their own conclusions and uh, yeah Uh, Yeah,
0: i think that's interesting i we talk a lot about it it being sort of important with a lot of these monster movies that i I think a lot of people end up relating to monster stories in different ways because i think especially you know you have a lot of queer readings of monster characters as, you know, being sort of the other or being this queer element of themselves that they're afraid of or, or something like that. And that's, I think leaving that open for interpretation, I think gives a lot of people a chance to see themselves where they, they might not be able to if it's spelled out for them.
1: Yeah. And with the hospital, I mean, I, I the fact that Fiamma uh, hears voices and things like that, it actually comes from like personal experience because I do have sort of a uh, strange, not strange uh, mysterious, I guess, like condition where I do uh, have to take medication because I get seizures and I get sort of like auditory uh, hallucinations, I guess. I don't, know. I don't know what you call them, but so I, I actually got that from completely from my myself. So I guess I did decide to put the hospital scene in it also because kind of a, I have done tests like that and yeah, that was kind of like just a personal thing.
2: Yeah. Thank you for sharing that because it does feel like there's a lot of personal context. And I mean, I didn't want to assume anything, but it does feel very specific in Mm -hmm. that experience. And I know how cathartic it is to explore the worst outcome, especially in artwork, when you're up against something like that, that you don't really know what it is especially with mental illness or or mental conditions with the doctor's office it wasn't just like inconclusive it was a complete failure of the equipment you know it wasn't anything supernatural it was just a failure of the system which in america we can really identify with but (laughs) i can see that personal experience coming through in the movie and as it, it does give the movie a lot of power I think. So thank you for for answering the question that I didn't ask. (laughs) I think
0: that's the nightmare, both as a a person and a parent, is that you'll get to a point that they're like, oh, well, we're not going to run this test again. You just have to come back and we'll figure it out some other time. And then you don't make it to that next time.
2: Usually on the podcast, we ask people for recommendations for stuff that inspired them or that, that uh, they think people should check out. Do you have any stuff you would like to recommend?
1: Well, I mean, I, 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 was, I was just uh, telling Jeremy about that I did have one film that I was thinking about while I was writing um, the script, which is The Spirit of the Beehives by Victoria Ariste, which is not a horror film, but it's, it's an amazing film, uh, which you should definitely watch. Like, everybody should watch that film. So, yeah. And it's, yeah, it's two little girls, two sisters. And it's, I mean, the mood. I was kind of really thinking about that mood. They live in a country house in Spain. But, yeah, it's a beautiful film. It's a drama film, but it has a lot of kind of surrealist, kind of magic
2: realism elements to it. And, yeah, it's a beautiful film. That sounds awesome. It sounds exactly the kind of thing I'm into. (laughs) So, I'll have to check that out. So, yeah, I think that's all of my questions, I think.
0: For for our listeners, I can't recommend enough checking out Mud Monster. It is at the Nevermore Film Festival. You can go see it physically if you're in Durham. It's showing twice, and then it's available to stream through the website. So if you you know buy tickets through the website, you can watch it at home if uh, you're not in Durham or you don't want to go to the theater. And I think people can check out more of your work on uh, your website. It's uh, obidalesi.com, right? Yep, yeah, that's right. We'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. Uh, Thank you so much for joining us. This was really fantastic.
1: This was awesome. Yeah, thank you
0: so much. Thank you. And uh, thanks to everybody for listening. Uh, And until next time, stay horrified.